60th. Like anniversary is like 50 is gold and like 75 is diamond. Do you know what 60 is? Because I did not get you any presents. Is it is it black? Is it is it a black anniversary? Is it with is that the one where people get you the black balloons and tell you about how you're dying? Or uh is that early? <laughs> earlier? Is, aren't you talking about a funeral? I don't know. <laughs> I I Yeah. Uh no, there's there's certain birthdays that people give each other black balloons. Oh. It feels very creepy. I don't know and if morbid. it's a tradition everywhere, but I, I definitely know that that's a, it is very creepy and morbid, but uh, that's not to say that this podcast is dying. At least I, I hope it's not. But uh, hopefully it's a harbinger of things to come. But yeah, 60 episodes. What a great accomplishment. Yeah, it's been it's been a good ride and fun things you learn along the way. Maybe that black balloon is one of your Dutch traditions. Maybe it is. Maybe that's just a Dutch thing where we just like tell people about how they're dying once they hit a certain age. But um <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm just a very morbid person. I'm just well, around a lot of other morbid people. Speaking of something morbid, let's talk about the Western Conference Finals. This week's okay. episode, we're going to start with the NBA playoffs. So we'll jump around a little bit. We've got a little bit of everything, depending on where we want to go. Just going to kind of meander this week. We've got NHL playoffs. We've got pro wrestling's always out there. That we can sneak that in. We've got golf finals. We have the Preakness. We've got a little bit of everything, but we're mostly going to focus on NBA and NHL. And as we're recording this, a rare Thursday night recording for us, which, side note, that may become the new thing. I'm thinking we may just do episode drops on Friday now and give us another day to talk about stuff and another night to record. A rare Thursday recording, editing, and posting all happening back-to-back. But we have the Warriors taking the uh, Mavericks to the proverbial woodshed right now is recording this, but I believe believe it's only halftime. And if you watched the Celtics earlier, second half could be an entirely different game. But as we're sitting right now, Golden State taking it to the Mavs, and this would give the Warriors another trip to the finals. Can the Mavs mount the comeback from the 3-1 deficit? um, It would be uh, Steph's sixth trip to the NBA finals. Um, yeah, he's, um, and it's a really interesting point that you bring up about, um, well, it kind of vaults him into a level of conversations of the all time greats. I mean, LeBron's been to 10 finals. Michael Jordan's also been to six, won all six, obviously Steph has only won three, has a good chance at a fourth here, I think. Um, four out of six, that'd be a that'd be a really great accomplishment. Um, and he he's kind of on a plane with a lot of the other greats. I mean, some other guys who have made it six times. We're talking Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, Jerry West. <sighs> There's, I mean, there's others. Uh, Russell has made it six times. Larry Bird, surprisingly, never made it six times. He made it five. Um, so Steph would be doing something that, like, the great Larry Bird never did, and he's considered one of the greatest players ever. Steph has really launched himself into that conversation kind of with this run. So I, I'm not going to say he is the greatest player of all time. That would be absolute blasphemy but he's swiftly approaching kind of that top 10 area um i think he's kind of there and that may be a conversation we can delve more into if they do in fact make a run and get another finals a our our top 10 nba players because i think as it sits right now if steph retired after this season no matter what happens i think he's a top 10 player he's the best shooter in a game where the point is to shoot the ball through the hoop I think you have to give him credit there. And if he adds all these yeah, wins, I mean, what, what he, and I think we've talked about this before current warrior fans and kids who've grown up in this era don't remember the warriors that we remember when they were awful for 20 years. And they went when, as soon as Steph came to town, they went from one of the worst franchises in all of the big four sports to perhaps the greatest dynasty in all of pro sports right now of the last decade, maybe. And that's on the back of Steph Curry. Right. It- well, I think it's just impressive because they kind of they had that run um, 
kind of 2014 is when they started to ascend. 2015 was an absolutely amazing year um, for them, and and Steph had an amazing year. The one thing that he doesn't have is a Finals MVP. Um, so he can definitely get one of those if the Warriors win it this year. I think it's going to be because Steph Curry is the Finals MVP. Um, but I think it's just impressive from the fact that he's a little bit older. He's not that. 2015 to 2018 Stephen Curry, but he's a really good version of Steph Curry. He's older, um, but he's led kind of a different team. Yes, some of the same guys are around. Clay is around. Draymond's around. But again, those guys aren't what they were three, four years ago when the Warriors were really at the peak of their powers. So to do it with this squad to kind of be older and propel them, uh, propel the Warriors to another run is just kind of very impressive. And I know I'm talking about this series like it's already over, but nobody's ever come back from a 3-0 deficit. I don't anticipate with the way the game's going tonight that the Mavericks are going to be the first to do it. I do anticipate that the Warriors are going to close this thing out tonight. And so they're... Steph on the precipice of his six finals is just a very impressive feat. And the way that the Warriors have kind of just manhandled this series, I mean, they came out in game three and they just absolutely punched Dallas in the mouth in a spot where you would kind of expect a team who's up 2-0 to kind of lay back and maybe just relinquish game three. The Warriors didn't do that. And so this run has just been rather impressive. I think everybody outside of the Dallas locker room thinks this series is over and if they can pull it off more power to them. But I, I think this is signed, sealed, delivered. It's going to be the Warriors. I was, as we were talking, I was also trying to look up, see, has anybody else been part of this run with Steph Clay and Draymond, which also feeling super old because James Wiseman, Moses Moody and Jonathan Kaminga were all born in the two thousands. So that makes you feel old. I'm trying to think Kavon Looney has been around there a while. And Damian Lee, those are the other two guys I was wondering. I was trying to do a quick look up if anybody else has been part. We we know the big three that are the core. Uh, I mean, Iguodala is still around the team, but... Was he part of the first in, one? Uh, yeah, he was actually finals MVP in that 2015 finals. Okay, so um, yeah, so he was part of the first one, and then he was a part of subsequent runs after that. Okay, so he um, was there for all three of their... Yep, he's been part of all three of those championships. They got, they get four, they get three. They got three. They won. Um, they won in 2015, and then they blew that three-one lead in 2016. Um, LeBron and, and Kyrie right. decided to do their thing, mostly LeBron. Um, and then KD, KD showed up, and um, the Warriors went back to back with Kevin Durant and Steph Curry at the peak of their powers. Yep. Um, KD went back to back finals MVP 17, 18, and then they um, made it back in 2019. But that was the year that both Kevin Durant and uh, Clay Thompson had injuries in the finals, or the Warriors probably would have three peated most likely. And Kawhi Leonard and the Raptors uh, were able to take advantage. Uh, so that was kind of the run was that 2015 to 2019 run that the Warriors went on. Incredible run being in the finals, but they were only able to win three out of five. And I so badly hope you just knew, knew that off the top of your head without looking any of that up. Yep, I do. I did know that off the top of my head without looking Dang. any of that up. Look at that. Let's get you on Sports Jeopardy. <laughs> um, only if it's basketball and football related you start throwing in hockey maybe maybe a little bit of baseball you start throwing in other sports though and i'm kind of in trouble at that point uh, that's impressive but yeah those are the four the steph clay draymond and weirdly andre Iguodala, who you kind of forget about kevon looney missed it by a year he was drafted in 2015 so came on board right after the first championship otherwise he's he would have been part of that, but yeah, like you, getting back to your main original point, all the different guys that they've brought along for the ride, you get the coach and the cornerstone players in place and look what you can do. Yeah. And, and like 
turning Wiggins into a valuable NBA player when um, we saw what he kind of became in, in Minnesota and very frustrating because like he should be consistently good, but they've found a way to kind of make him consistently good in this Warriors team. This is, this is the perfect fit for Wiggins. If he's going to succeed, it's going to be here and not really anywhere else. And then, you know, the ascension of Jordan Poole that we've we've seen in this playoffs and this season as well. Um, Kaminga even looks like they got a steal with Kaminga. I know he hasn't played a lot in the playoff run, but um, we've seen some really good things from Kaminga. And so it's like the Warriors are just they're, – they're on pace to be better next year with Kaminga and then possibly Wiseman coming back. And everybody's going to be back. And they're locked and loaded for possibly another another couple of runs here. And they, they're definitely looking at being better next season, which is just kind of a scary thought. Is it too early to attach the B word to James Wiseman? Uh, oh, you mean bust? I wasn't going to say it. Uh, I mean, um, I do think it's too early just because we haven't seen – enough of him on the court. Uh, I definitely think next year is the make or break year. If, if he's hurt again, or if he underperforms when he is in the game, then I think it's okay to, to drop the B word that I just dropped, but I just have a hard time seeing where he would fail um, in this organization. I mean, if you don't make it, with this team, with the makeup of this team, with Steph and Clay and, and Draymond and, and Poole and others, uh, Wiseman doesn't really need to do too much. He just needs to become uh, Kevon Looney with a little bit more uh, athleticism. Uh, yeah, I, I think next year we can talk about if Wiseman is a bust or not. Not yet. So I don't really know what Golden State needs. They can't really trade for anybody. I think they're so cash-strapped, they can't really afford to get a big-name guy. And I'm not sure what they have for draft picks. That would be high. But I think you really need Wiseman to hit. If you need somebody who can spell Kavan Looney, I would argue that they need a body there in the middle. And if you know maybe Kaminga is the guy and they can afford to part with Wiseman, that's what I wonder is, is – whatever happens with Otto Porter or Jordan Poole, or they need kind of another wing guy to come in, would you trade Wiseman for a pick? Or is there some good role-playing wing that could be another Wiggins or Poole or Porter trying to get their roster pulled up here? Well, I think you, I think you, I think you hit on it. I think uh, Kaminga could definitely function uh, in a lot of the same ways as Looney and really serve as Looney's backup. Um, Otto Porter um, serves that way now and they trust Otto Porter with that, but I don't think they're going to keep him beyond this year. Uh, so I really think Kaminga could become that, but uh, what I really see happening here is I see James Wiseman coming back next year, performing decently, and then someone taking a chance on him at the trade deadline. So I think uh, Wiseman is kind of a guy that the Warriors are going to do what they need to to maybe like boost his stock early on next year, and then uh, trade him while the strike while the iron's hot, and then trade him at maybe a kind of a trade deadline, or maybe he's a, a guy who gets traded on draft night um, if there's someone that the Warriors like and uh, a team wants to possibly do a trade down involving James Wiseman. I could definitely see that too. I, I don't think you need a traditional center. I think, uh, I think you can make it work with Looney and, and Kaminga as a small ball five, or maybe you trade a couple of the kind of the fringe pieces that you have. And other than that, I think you just surround Steph Clay Draymond with some, uh, some three and D wings um, guys like Andrew Wiggins who are perfectly built. Uh, to be in this system guys like well Jordan Poole isn't really a D he's more of a three uh he he's kind of a liability on defense and so uh they've they've kind of reduced his minutes in this Maverick series because Dallas has just attacked him anytime that he's been in the game um so he'll need to work on that to really take the next step but 
I think it's really just adding more guys like uh like Wiggins who can who can provide that three D aspect maybe off the bench. That's really all that this team is missing and but they feel like a, a complete team right now. I mean they feel like the odds on favorite to win it all. They looking ahead to next year, which by the way, neither one of them are hurting for cash, but Andrew Wiggins is making quite a bit more than Draymond Green, which is a weird thing to think about. Uh, they only have one, two, three, four, five, six. They only have eight guys under contract next year. They've got the main guys, Steph, Clay, Draymond, Wiggins, Wiseman, Kaminga, and Poole, but they're going to have to find some money if they want to keep Kevon Looney and Otto Porter running around there. And GP2 won't be under contract, so it's you can say, where do you value those guys? And as Wiseman, he's still making very little money, but like you mentioned, he may be a tempting trade piece if they if they have Kaminga and they're able to bring back Looney. I'd maybe curious to see what you can get for Wiseman. Yeah, and that's that's the other thing. I mean, I think Wiseman is just too much of an unknown. I don't know what the market would be for him. Uh so I don't I don't know if you could get a top ten draft pick for Wiseman at this juncture. Uh, just because of the, just because of the unknown surrounding him, so that's why I think he's maybe just a, a trade deadline candidate, possibly once he's able to boost his value. At least we need to see something known about him before they can make any sort of a deal. Well, we are already declaring Golden State the winner of this series, and we feel comfortable on that. They're going to the finals again, but the other side. I I don't even know what to make of Miami-Boston. I would assume whoever comes out of the East would be the underdog against the Warriors, but this series has been all over the board. We had a great first game with Miami winning. Boston crushes Miami. Miami wins another close one, and then Boston crushes Miami back-to-back. So Boston is sitting there with a 3-2 lead, two games over the weekend coming up. Um, I guess one more in Miami, or one in Boston, and then the series in, no, both in Miami, correct? Uh, nope. We are back to uh, Boston for game six on Friday night. And then I believe if there's a game seven, that will be on Sunday night in Miami. So Which we got two, two, and then we, we alternate. Um, Man, this this has been a great series, but I don't even know what to make of it. These it, Every day, two different teams have shown up. So I, th- I think from a basketball standpoint, Boston is definitely the more talented team here, and that's shown through in the three wins that they have. But Miami is the physically tougher, mentally tougher team, and that's why they're still hanging around in the series. Um, because in Miami's two wins that they have, they've kind of been able to just muck the game up and be able to make it like playing football without pads. And that's kind of how they've won their two games. So it really depends on what, um, and you know, I don't want to say that refs are out here deciding games, but if they're letting things go and be more physical, like they sometimes do in the NBA playoffs, huge advantage for Miami. If it's called a little bit tighter and Boston's able to get to the free throw line, advantage Boston. I think, you know, they're not as physically intimidating as Miami is. Um, Now Miami is just like really bogged down on offense too. So that's why they have to play this physical football type style of basketball because they just simply don't have the offensive firepower to kind of keep up with all the offensive firepower that Boston can bring. Um, I do think Boston's going to prevail here in game six, uh, unless Scott Foster is calling game six, which um, Bill Simmons, Southern super fan, NBA super fan lovingly calls Scott Foster, the extender because he seems to keep extending all these series. So if we have Scott Foster in game six, we're getting a game seven. But if we don't, we're not getting into game seven. This thing is ending in six. Either way, I think the Celtics are coming out on top here. But um, we shall see. 
and maybe this is something that's completely overblown and over talked about in the media and teams this good players this good this doesn't bother them but Miami beat Atlanta in a five-game series. Then they beat a beat-up Sixers team in a six-game series. Meanwhile, the Celtics had to get through the Nets, even, you know, say what you will about the Nets, but they're still the Nets with Kevin Durant, swept to them, and then they had a seven-game series against the Bucks. So would I be right to say that the – basically questioning how much gas does Boston have left in the tank? Have they been beaten up having to get through arguably the much tougher schedule with the Nets and then the Bucks in seven compared to – Miami basically running over Atlanta and Philly. I think that played a factor early on in the series, specifically game one, just because of the quick turnaround. I mean, that game seven for Boston that they won, they won convincingly. Um, But having to turn around and then go to Miami with only a day in between, um, not a lot of time to game plan there. I mean, basically – and then games being played every other day in this conference finals round as well has kind of taken its physical toll. So, um, yes, Boston has had the harder path to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. That series with Milwaukee was very exhausting. It was almost like playing a conference finals before the conference finals. Um having to knock out a defending champion like that in seven games, granted Milwaukee, not at full strength, but still nonetheless a tough task, but they were able to get it done. I think, I think you're on to something, but I also think just the cumulative effect of not having a lot of um, days to rest for travel in between, because there used to be a two day buffer when we were switching over from two games in Miami to game three in Boston, there used to be that two game buffer and it's kind of turned um, this series into a bit of a, of a rock fight. It kind of makes your eyes bleed when you're, when you're watching it at some points, but it's because both these teams now, I think are kind of just riding on fumes uh, in this conference finals here. So I, I think Boston has enough. uh, They're at home. Game six, I think they've kind of figured it out. Um, And also, a lot of this hinges on, like, Robert Williams being in. uh, Because for the first couple – for the first three games, Robert Williams wasn't in, but he came in in game four and just completely took Bam Adebayo out of the equation. And that is absolutely detrimental to Miami. They have to have Jimmy and Bam playing their absolute best basketball to have a chance to beat Boston in a series. And they're just not going to get that because of the defensive presence that Robert Williams brings on the defensive end. So if Robert Williams is healthy, this is game, set, match, Boston all day. That's what I think has been the most impressive about this is the Boston defense. We know Miami can play defense. We know the Warriors can play defense. We know Boston can play defense. But I feel like they've really put the screws to the heat in this series, and they just feel like they've gotten better and better throughout the season. Marcus Smart, everybody knows his defensive acumen, but you talk about the Williamses, and I've not been the biggest proponent of Jalen Brown and Jason Tatum's defense, but even those guys feel like they're playing out of their minds. That defensive side of the ball to go toe-to-toe and, I would say Miami gets by on grit and heart and punching you in the mouth as much as anybody. And Boston's standing right there doing it as good, if not better. So the Celtics are hanging right in there. And I think I've gone back and forth on who I picked in the series, depending on the week. I think I last went with Miami with, I feel like Boston is set up for kind of next year's run. But my question, question observation is I feel like this postseason could be Jason Tatum's Kevin Durant moments. I've, been a big Jason Tatum fan for a long time, but I feel like he's not quite there. He's not quite on the level with Giannis and Jokic and Steph and those top, top, top tier guys. But I feel like if he can take this Boston team there and really become a marquee name and star, I feel like we could start talking about him as kind of the next Kevin Durant, that big, long, rangy, step outside and shoot it, who can be an absolute megastar. Or I could be completely overhyping him. Um. I think the narrative about Tatum has switched so many times. Sometimes the consistency isn't there. Uh, I would like to see Jason Tatum shoot less long range jump shots 
and uh, get more to the basket. And he's done that in the past two games. It's because he has suffered a little bit of a shoulder injury. It's not anything serious. It's something that he can play through, but it's not fully healthy and he's playing through it and it's forced him to uh, kind of attack the rim. And that's when he's at his best, actually, when he's not just settling for the jump shots. I think he still has this tendency to kind of settle for these jump shots. It He's not consistent, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. Consistently good enough for me to put him in that Giannis Katie stratosphere, but he's going to have to be for Boston to win the title this year. If he takes them to a title, that's when I think we can start having that conversation until he leads them to that title, whether it's this year or next year, whatever it is, that's when we can kind of maybe start having that conversation. I just want to see it on a more consistent basis. We've seen more glimpses of it this year. He's done it more often than he has in years past, but we haven't seen the night in night out consistency. I mean, he's had, I believe it was um, game three um, where Boston was down big in Boston and Tatum was just having the worst game of his life. I believe he finished with like 10 points on like three of 17 shooting. I mean, that's just that kind of performance uh, doesn't inspire Kevin Durant for me, but I can see where the potential is there, but I don't think he's quite there at this point. And another thought here to be legitimate contenders and to have dynasty potential, like the warriors, do the Celtics need a clay Thompson? My point being, I think Jason Tatum can be your staff. But I think Jalen Brown is more of a Draymond. They've got the role players. They've got the Iguodala. You know, the you've got your Marcus Smart. It could be like your Iguodala or you know the Williams, like Jordan Poole or Andrew Wiggins. So they've got the role players. They've got the number one. They've got the number three. But do the Celtics need a number two, another superstar who can come in, or am I underrating Jalen Brown? That Jalen Brown, that Tatum and Brown can be Steph and Clay. I don't think. Um, I think. Each and every team is different. So to kind of pigeonhole in this Boston team and say they need to be like the Warriors, I think they're just getting it done a different way. I do think um, Jalen Brown is a – yeah, he does kind of ride that line of is he a number two, is he a number three. He needs to learn how to dribble. Um, (laughs) There's been so many times. This, yeah, I'm serious. I mean, that was the knock on him in, in college and coming out of college and several years into his career now, and he still really struggles to dribble. I mean, there's been times where he's tried to dribble, and it looks like he's basically just handing the ball to Lowry or or Jimmy Butler or P.J. Tucker or whoever it is guarding him. If It looks like he's just handing the ball off to him every time he dribbles, and it's – it's really interesting, and that's kind of gone around the Boston team in the games that they've struggled. They've they've had, you know, 15, 16 or more turnovers in the games that they've struggled in the series, and it's because they, they can't dribble against Miami's pressure defense. I mean, Tatum struggled with that. The only guy who hasn't struggled with that in the series is, is Al Horford. But to get back to your, your question, I do think, you know, they, they need to keep – this roster, this core together kind of as it is because it just works so well. Um, There's no real debate about who the alpha is. That's Tatum. Um, Jalen Brown has shown that he can explode from time to time. Uh, And I I do think he will successfully learn to dribble at some point, and that's going to unlock a whole other aspect of his game. But I think – the thing that is going to really propel Boston on a run here this year and in the future is their defense. I mean, Robert Williams is, is probably one of the best defenders in the league. He's the best defender on this team. I know Marcus Smart won the Depoy award, but I I feel like that was kind of a legacy award that was kind of built off his reputation. I don't really actually think that uh, Marcus Smart is even the best defender on his team. Um, 
it's Robert Williams defensively. It's Grant Williams also who can kind of play like the small ball five role for them at certain times. Horford's good defensively. They're going to have to find a replacement for Horford um, because Al Horford can't keep going for forever. So they'll need to fill in the the cracks with some good, solid role players. Um, Maybe a better backup playmaker off the bench than Derek White, who looks like he doesn't even feel like he belongs on the court at times. Um, I'm not even sure he believes that he belongs on the court at times. Uh, But yeah, to, to be a dynasty, I think it's going to be more about the defense that this team can really throw at you. They're, they're so long and athletic and they can switch so well because of all like how tall they are, how all, all of them are built. I mean, Tatum and Brown and and Williams and, and Smart, they can switch on to so many guys and it just takes their defense to a whole other level that is just really tough to get past. And that's why you see Miami struggling on offense because they don't have enough guys to create offense outside of Jimmy Butler, outside of Bam, maybe Tyler Hero every once in a while um, to really crack this Boston defense. So to put a bow on this, it sounds like we are very much waxing over the Celtics here and talking about how wonderful they are. I'm pretty sure my last pick was on the heat, so I can't jump ship, but it sounds like we're both kind of preemptively giving this to the Celtics. Yeah. And I I don't mean to sound like uh, Boston is just this wonderful and incredible team. I just, I think they're just too much for Miami. Um, It'll be really interesting to see how it works out against uh, Golden State and Steph. I think that's just a whole other beast that maybe Boston isn't ready for at this point. But um, we'll cross that bridge when we get there. I do think they have sort of a a puncher's chance against Golden State because – not because of Tatum and his ascension, but because of the defense – how they can be collectively as a defensive unit. I do think they kind of have the guys to cause Golden State some problems on offense to where um, Golden State's going to have to figure things out. I do believe that they will. So spoiler alert, I'm I'm taking the Warriors to win it all. But uh, I do think that Boston has the defense necessary to hang with the Warriors and also We've seen them explode offensively, so they're they're capable of that as well. But everybody talks about the offense of Boston, but I guess what I'm trying to say is it's really the defense that's propelling this run. I get that there are players like Embiid, Giannis, Kevin Durant at the moment sitting out there and the Heat doing Heat things, but I could see Boston and Golden State being a I think we can see this matchup multiple times in the coming years. Both teams have their main cores locked in for several years under contract. So I know it's easier said than done, but I don't think we could see something too dissimilar from what we had with the Cavs and the Warriors about three or four years ago when they just met year after year after year in the finals. Boston and Golden State are both look like they're heading in the right direction. I would uh, I would totally agree with that, but you know, as these things go, every year is different and injuries hit and, and certain things happen. So, um, but, you know, all of that, assuming no injuries, I, I do think this this kind of could turn into a thing where we get Warriors Celtics multiple times. But um, we'll just kind of have to see what uh, the NBA offseason looks like for all the teams who aren't still in it but have a chance, who have uh, championship quality rosters, but maybe just need to improve a couple in a couple areas to um, keep pace with the Celtics, with the Warriors, um, with Miami, with with Dallas. Um, Dallas is definitely an ascending team. I mean, we talked about how great the Warriors are, but but Dallas is really ascending and. Um, they're not really going anywhere either. So it'll be very interesting to see how the next couple of years unfold in the league. And to finish up our basketball talk, 
As we're recording, unless the Warriors have the greatest fourth quarter collapse in history, they are currently up by 22 points. So, I mean, they, they do have one of the greatest collapses in uh, NBA Finals history. Um, so don't, don't put it past them. But uh, I, don't think, I don't think it's happening tonight. Um, congrats to the Mavericks on making it to the Western Conference Finals. Uh, we'll see you guys next year. <laughs> and just want to take a quick minute here on the NHL playoffs because I am feeling very, very smug and cocky because all four of my final four are still in it and looking good. The Lightning are starting to look like the Lightning, looking like the two-time defending champs, looking for that three-peat. They swept this top seed of Florida Panthers, so take that, Panther fans who are trying to tell me that this was the greatest team in the NHL. Uh, The Lightning are back, and they are looking like you expect the Lightning to look. The Canes and Rangers series, and I've decided the Rangers are now my mortal enemies. Uh, My first round was looking so perfect until they had to come back and rally and win and beat the pens and here they're kind of doing the same thing carolina was up early this has been kind of the forgotten series a lot of defensive smash mouth hockey you get the canes up early then the rangers come back and win carolina currently has a 3-2 lead heading into saturday night let's hope we can end this thing and get the hurricanes to the finals but a very low scoring gritty series and i just want the rangers to go away uh out uh, out west your canadian showdown and i feel like the entire country of Canada is glued to this Edmonton and Calgary and the strange career renaissance of Evander Kane. If you've never, the the life odyssey of Evander Kane is very strange and he's become the star of this playoffs though for an Edmonton team that had Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl, you would have thought those were the guys and suddenly Evander Kane who they picked up mid season as the guy they're scoring at will. You kind of forget the Oilers are even in this series or sorry that the flames are in the series. You think the Oilers are going to run over them get up to a 3-1 lead, and then Calgary comes back. Uh, hopefully, Edmonton can just close the book on this one. They're also playing right now as we're recording this, but Edmonds, Edmonton is down and needs to rally. And then we have, in what I would say are good and bad ways, the most compelling se- series of the NHL finals, the Blues and the Avs. Um, you fans know who you are. We don't need that kind of behavior. You know, let's practice some good sportsmanship. If you don't know what I'm talking about, you can find that on not this show. We don't get into that kind of stuff here, but let's, let's be better as fan bases, but the actual on ice hockey has been dramatic, intense, competitive back and forth. I pick the abs. I love the abs. They're my champions in this. The blues won the title just a couple of years ago. So they're going to be in there Wednesday night. I was, I was watching this game and it was getting to be late. I think the third period was starting. I thought, you know what? I can change the channel. Also, it's over to basketball. The Avs have this one in the bag. Not going to worry. St. Louis scores a couple goals right at the end of the game. It takes it to overtime and wins 5-4 in overtime. So just further deepening my disdain, growing disdain for the Blues. I, I'm all in on this Avs team, so I cannot lose them at this point. Avalanche lead 3-2, to two, and they can also put this one away Friday night. Otherwise, they're going to Game 7 on Sunday. Now, Andrew, you picked the Kings and Pens, who I think both promptly lost in the first round. You've got the Lightning into the finals. You've got the Hurricanes ahead. You've got the Avs ahead. And you've got the Flames, as we're recording this, on the cusp of closing it out. Do you want to hitch your wagon to any of those four teams? Um, If I'm going to hitch my wagon to any of them, I think it's uh, Team uh, No no New York Rangers. Uh, They are now my mortal enemies for – Thank you being my Pittsburgh Penguins who I, I'm I'm now adopting I think I think I'm adopting the Pittsburgh Penguins going forward but um swaps here against the Rangers but I like it other than that I guess uh the Avs seem like an okay option out, out west there um well I'm you actually, did say you're not gonna you, you refuse to cheer to cheer for Missouri teams so uh that is correct so the Blues um, are out well, I refuse to cheer for teams from St. Louis because St. Louis is boring. So, <laughs> as the uh, as the great uh, Chris Bryant once said, St. Louis is boring. Um, or was that Anthony Rizzo? Whatever. One of the Cubs said it, and I agree. St. Louis is very boring. All they got is an arch, and you can see it. You can see those any anytime you pull into McDonald's. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. I'll quit trashing on St. Louis. And um, yeah, uh, out West, I think I'll, I'll take uh, the Avs, but uh, 
Carolina. Give me Carolina or whoever's beating the Rangers. I like them. Good. If if Edmonton would just go ahead and get done with the Flames, I would make life easy for all the rest of us. We can just move on and crown crown the Oilers and the Abs. And hopefully by next week we'll be started on our conference finals and the NHL needs to pick up the pace so they can be matching with the NBA. Uh, what else do we have going? Go ahead. I, I mean, I really – I really uh, might like the fact that uh, it doesn't match exactly with the NBA. I mean, it might give me a chance to uh, watch a Stanley Cup game uh, on a night when there's not an NBA Finals game competing with it. So I think uh, it could be good because people like me who don't typically watch hockey and favors the uh, NBA playoffs over hockey, the hockey playoffs, Stanley Cup, uh, I might be more inclined to watch a Stanley cup final game or two, if it's not competing directly with the NBA. So I think it's actually a good thing. I don't know that we've talked about this, but whatever TV deal the NHL struck up, they have a lot better distribution rather than being stuck on like CNBC at nine o'clock at night or NBC SM, whatever that was. They're kind of doing what the NBA does. They're partnered with both TNT, TBS, and then the ESPN ABC family of networks. So most of their games have been on marquee channels. And I think it's, where did I see one of these games? I think it's like Friday night on ABC, which I don't know what's on ABC on Friday nights, but I have to imagine hockey can pull ratings just as good as 2020 murder mystery or whatever it is. But yeah, I thought they were getting some really good primetime coverage. And at least the Stanley cup finals would be a lot better coverage than it has been in the past. Yeah. Getting that, uh, that deal, getting back on uh, ESPN for the NHL, this year was huge. And I mean, during the season, they had games on ESPN and ESPN two, but also uh, ESPN plus the ESPN streaming service, which a lot of people have now because you can bundle it with your Disney plus and your Hulu really easily for a pretty decent rate. So anybody who likes hockey, now you have all this access to all these hockey games because it's on the ESPN family and network. So I, I think uh, it's great that they kind of have a similar deal to the NBA and it's kind of, it kind of alternates where um, with like the NBA schedule, but I think you're right. I'd, I'd be curious to see the numbers, but I'm going to guess that the numbers for the Stanley cup playoffs are up. Yeah, and they've given them a lot of great games to broadcast as well. So it seems like a big win-win for everybody involved with hockey this year. I would agree. All right. So what do we else have going on in the sports world? Anything you want to talk about? We've got, we had the very thrilling end to the PGA championship. Well, unless you're the, is it the prayer I'm blanking on the guy's first name right now, but I had the big league going into the final hole and then drove it into the water and allowed Zalatoris and Justin Thomas to have the playoffs. So a thrilling end, but you feel bad for uh, that guy who was there and a very no name golfer is having the huge run at the end. Wish it, you'd like to see new guys like that. I would have been happy for a dark horse to come out of nowhere to win that thing. So all in all, a fun PGA championship. You've got baseball going on. They have 3,905 more games to play. So we'll get to them more as we get into summer. NFL's always got the motor churning. We've always got something going on with college basketball transfer portals, NASCAR, WWE, UFC. Uh, doesn't really have a huge event coming up next weekend. They have a great card we'll talk about. Uh, Indy 500s coming up this weekend. I don't know how much you love watching IndyCar. I would say we could do picks there, but just kind of open open season of what we have going on in the sports world. And then I'll ask you my two questions. Oh, let's, let's do one this week. Well, we're I mean, we also do have the NBA. Draft. I mean, I we do uh, also have the NBA draft coming up too. So um, I'm I, I'm not really eager to talk NBA draft until after the season has ended. I guess too much, but. Um, we already do have mock drafts and, and things like that dropping too, but, um, no, I'm not really much of an indie guy. I am maybe getting into F1 a little bit. Um, Snob. seems like a lot of people are getting, getting into F1 these days. And I'm, I'm trying to understand what's going on with this whole F1 craze. Um, I don't, I don't really understand where this is coming from. My theory is Lewis Hamilton is really pretty and therefore people care. He's a very pretty man. And so now he's got, he's Mr. Celebrity and it's, 
as as a diehard racing fan, like NASCAR oval track racing, I've never got into Formula One. To me, it just seems like snobby European. It's like Formula One is red carpet, NASCAR is shag carpet, and to me, just yeah, Formula One is a bunch of well dressed Europeans sitting outside drinking champagne. But maybe that's mm. just on me. Mm. Yeah, and I I definitely got that um, that sort of a a vibe from. Uh, the one Formula One race that I've watched uh, this year. Uh, but also, I tuned in in time for, like, a pre-race show and uh, saw some guy interviewing Paolo Bancaro from Duke, uh, NBA prospect, probably going to go top three, and he thought he was Patrick Mahomes. Uh, <laughs> so, I don't know if... I don't know if you uh if you saw that but uh after he mistook uh Paolo for Patrick Mahomes I could I could kind of see it and I, I was like oh yeah he does kind of look like Patrick Mahomes now he doesn't sound like him but he does kind of look like Patrick Mahomes but I thought that was one of the most funny uh unintentional <laughs> unintentionally funny moments that I've seen unfold on live tv in the sports world in in quite a while so nice. oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah, we'll, so we can someday we'll try to get some Formula One. I used to be able to know Formula One drivers, and I do like because I think they race at Indianapolis well as well once a year. So that's what makes it kind of fun. But uh, what else? Is there anything we're missing? I'm trying to look over all my sports sources here. See if this. Oh, I'm going to ask you my question here because I had two questions I was going to ask you. You can decide which one you want to discuss and which one we'll save for research. The Question one, the best basketball movie or the most iconic American athlete right now? Oh, wow. <laughs> that, that's, this is very, the most iconic American athlete right now. Wow. I, I was, yeah, I was thinking about this because Forbes always does their list of like most valuable. And then I was at a uh, store the other day and saw USA Today had their like impact power rankings or something for pro athletes right now. And it got me thinking, huh, who do you suppose is the most recognizable active American athletes? Like if you just walk down the street because a thousand people be like, name a pro athlete, who could they name? And I came up with my short list of people, and you can tell me if I'm omitting anybody or who you think yours would be. I guess, let's, before I even say my list, I say name an American athlete who's the first name that comes to mind for you. I think the number one guy is LeBron James. Okay, he was, he was on my ballot because I figured... Um, yeah, I think there's three... I, I think there's three, maybe four guys. Um, and you can tell me if I'm on one is LeBron James. The other three are, are NFL quarterbacks. Okay. And, uh, and I'm thinking Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, Patrick Mahomes. So those you, so you basically said all mine. So I think those are my top, top four. You're proving my point here. And there was three more that I was going to throw in there. Uh, cause I don't, there's no, I don't think there's a baseball player. I don't think there's a hockey player, no UFC fighter, no NASCAR, no men's tennis, but I, I think I came up with seven names. You named four of them uh, from the NFL, Rogers, Brady, and Mahomes, NBA. I said LeBron. And then I think Steph, I think Steph is becoming pretty well-known. He does like TV shows and outside projects. And right. then, so that's those five. Yeah. And then, from other, and then from other sports, I'm going to throw in Serena Williams. And then Tiger. Absolutely. So those seven, yeah. my, I don't yeah. think we're forgetting anybody, but like if you just, if you just walk down the street, who do you think I would mean, be the most iconic athlete? Like, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know if she's active anymore. I believe she retired, but I mean, Venus too, right? Serena and Venus. I, mean, uh, I think Serena's a lot more, together. I think Serena's a lot more well-known at this stage. Mm. Mm. Okay. Um, yeah, I would, I would tend to agree. I mean, I, I think we're kind of forgetting about the Olympic athlete. I mean, Michael Phelps maybe well, would be recognizable, but he's kind of had his time. Um, that's what I thought. I don't know that he's still like, I don't think he and Usain Bolt are still active and like, eh, maybe Simone, uh, 
I thought about that, but I think if you asked a thousand people, I don't think any of them could name Simone Biles as quickly as they could. So I thought about that. I'm like, who's the most famous Olympic athlete, if not Michael Phelps? I think right now it's Simone Biles, isn't it? Yeah, right now. Yeah, definitely. Um, Yeah, I think Simone Biles would definitely be the most famous. So that's a... That's a really great question, but um, and I refuse yeah, to acknowledge I, soccer players because Americans don't watch soccer. So sorry, Messi and Ronaldo fans. Well, I was just coming at it. And I don't know if this is what you meant by your question of players uh, who were American born. Uh, uh, just like in in American sports. So okay, well, I I don't really consider soccer to be in American sport or football as they say. Yeah, but, like, I mean, if, if I were, if I were to go into a sports bar in California, Texas, Iowa, and New Hampshire and be a name an athlete, I don't think they're going to name Messi more than they're going to say Rogers or LeBron or Steph. Or Brady. Yep. And so that's. Or, yeah. I think you're going to get a lot of name. The first athlete that comes to mind, it's going to be LeBron Brady Rogers, probably in that order. Man, I did not expect us to agree on this, but I think I think it is yeah. LeBron and Tom Brady. Maybe Tiger. I think, and I get uh, the Tigers Tiger. kind of dropped a yep. little bit, but yeah. I think those would be my top three: is LeBron, yep. Brady, and Tiger. Yep, I would I would wholeheartedly agree. But, Which uh, I think is fun that two of them have very distinct, cool names, and one of them has the most boring name you can have. I think you you kind of have to throw the tag on of name a, a currently active. American athlete because if you just ask someone to name an American athlete you're gonna get Michael Jordan like 10 times out of 10 right and that, that's why I kept it to active yeah you can't say yeah. Babe Ruth or Muhammad Ali or Jordan. Babe Ruth Muhammad Ali Jordan that is, that is a little bit of Larry Bird or magic yeah, we should we should research that more in depth for the next episode we're up against our hour here but we should look right. at like if you just walk down the street ask somebody name an name an athlete like anybody of all time I wonder if Jordan would win. We should we should think about that. Hmm. Yeah, I would. Uh, I think Jordan would uh, would definitely win. Um, best basketball movie, and Man. we can save that one if you want to research more. We don't we don't have to do that. Yeah, we uh, we definitely don't have to. Um, yep, that's definitely one we need to save for some research because I think that could uh, almost last an hour. I feel like, well, maybe not a full hour, but I feel like we could at least go 10 minutes talking about basketball movies. Well, good, because my argument is there really isn't one. So we'll, that's going to be my cliffhanger. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, there you, you go. Like my, my premise is compared to baseball, boxing, football movies, basketball movies are severely lacking. So that's going to be my tease. I could see where you're coming from with that. I definitely have some basketball movies that I like, but I can see where you're coming from with that because there's not as easily recognizable. I think there's one maybe that I would argue, and it's probably, probably is going to be my vote for the best one Hoosiers. Um, But that's just me. I think Hoosiers is iconic. It's a classic. It's, it's up there, but not as recognizable as maybe like uh, remember the Titans or, or anything like that. Right. Well, we will save that for next week or two weeks or whenever you're back on. So. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you everybody for joining us for the big 60th episode. We're happy to have made it this far and have been with you on this journey for more than a year. Thank you for supporting us. Thank you for sticking with us. And we're excited to see where the show's going to be. A lot of ideas we haven't even tapped into yet and uh, some fun experiments coming down the line. So, Thank you all for joining us. We'll see you next time.